Who's the person you turn to when you need advice? The person who gives you confidence and strength? The person who's been your biggest support? The person you shop with, ask their opinion and trust them implicitly? For me, it's... Hi, Ma. Hi, Del. As a mother and daughter, we know we have a close bond, but each mother and daughter relationship is unique and different, and that's exactly what we want to explore. Each week, we'll sit down with mothers and daughters and talk about their bond, from the ones who work together to others who have survived, shared passions, overcome loss, and in general, have a great relationship that is worth sharing. This is Mothers Mothers and Daughters Daughters Podcast. Podcast. Emma? Hi, Del. How's your voice? Um, yeah, it's um, probably not at its best, but yeah, I've got cr- my... A little bit croaky. A little bit croaky, but I've got my hot water with lemon and honey, so that will... That's always hopefully good. Hopefully make it pass for just a little bit, but apologies if I don't sound at my... Peak. Peak. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's probably because I've been screaming. <laughs> oh, I doubt it. Okay. Or maybe not. No, not. But this week will be a very quiet house. I'm very excited. Yes, back to normal. Back, back to, to school. Sc- yeah, back to school. I am beyond thrilled. I said to the school I'd even put an ejector seat in the car so he could, like, just jump out the sunroof, like whatever it takes. To get him there. To get him there. I will do it. But I, I do have to thank the school because they really have done an incredible job over the last 12 weeks. can't believe it's been 12 weeks. Hmm. It's flown, has it? <laughs> um, I no? definitely have more grey hairs than at the start. <laughs> Thanks. Just while you're going to the hairdresser. I know. Still got a couple of weeks to go. But, yes. I'm, I'm quaffed. I'm yes. done. I'm done. Mum's just... Spent my, last, out spent my last three hours. On. Yes. Yes. Very That's nice. nice. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, everybody was, you know, was lovely to in a see. Good mood, yeah, lovely. Despite the weather. Lovely to see everybody and they're so happy, the hairdressers, to be back doing what they love. So. Yeah, I got my confirmation for my nails on Saturday. I've never been so excited to get a, a message before in my life. Oh, it's very nice. It's very exciting. Yeah. The small things. In saying that, though, this week's episode does put a lot in perspective. Very much so. Yes. We were very lucky to have Ricky and her mum, Deanna, so not to be confused. With Deanne. With Deanne. No, she She's made she it really did, complicated. She did say, week, I did uh, say to her, how do you pronounce your name? Because yeah. I would presume it would be Deanna, but yeah. you never know. And I said, because I get called so many things and then funny enough she gets called, gets called what I am called and I'm like how is that possible and Diana and all of these other she said Fiona Fiona well. she said she could be a bit nasally and that's why a lot of people say <laughs> oh Fiona so yeah I don't even know how you get there but anyway so yes Ricky and, and Diana. Diana um are an amazing duo ricky was diagnosed with hodgkin's lymphoma at 20 she took it with oh, just such grace and on the other side of it and and maturity yeah maturity had just, to go yeah. through ivf as you'll hear about mm. and 
as a result, has started and hopefully it will become a charity very soon. She's in the process, which is called Cancer Chicks Australia. And just so, it's just so amazing to hear how something so just well, life changing, life changing, yeah. and also it, you know, it's like life threatening, life threatening, mm. exactly, and and coming so close to potentially that you know. It, thankfully, she caught it early, so it was. Yes, it was treatable. She, she thanks the doctor that she went to yeah. for just a very minor, random sore throat, or, you know, and sore neck, and so yes, it just really puts a lot in perspective. But the fact that she went through all that plus treatment, of course, and while doing so, decided she wanted a support network and realized how difficult it was to have one or to to find one mm. because obviously doctors yes, keep and, well, and, yeah, patient the pr- confidence privacy, reality. Yes, yeah. So she started um, Cancer Chicks Australia and, and it's just so amazing to take something that most often people would sit and wallow about and, and rightfully so. She didn't. She just decided, nope, I'm going to turn this into turn a this positive, into a positive thing. Another Another young inspirational yes. young woman who like it's just they're, they're just so admirable these yeah. young women who go through just these you know they wouldn't even necessarily say tragedies in life but mm. as you say life changing life threatening and what they do yeah. then after that or even during is just incredible yeah and i mean she said look it was a good distraction mm. and probably kept a good focus rather than focusing on on the pain and the tiredness and the sickness she was dealing with. But what she's done is obviously helped hundreds of other women at the same time and even still losing friends, obviously, because unfortunately yeah, not everybody it, gets not everyone through, does get through the it. Side, yeah. And she did mention a good friend of hers, Natasha Stewart. A lot of people would have seen her on The Voice. We're going to put a link to her music in the show notes because you can still hear her music. And, you know, she's made such great friendships from it and those women have reaped the benefits because she decided to do something so positive with her cancer diagnosis. So it's just been, yes, it's been an incredible few weeks of, Yes, survivors like really. Survivors and yeah, how they've come out of it the other side and what they've done with it, as I said, but just so inspirational. It's like mm. you finish the recording and you think, Oh my God, really? Yeah, you I know, know. It's we, like why did I complain about I know you talk for an hour and you just get a wonderful glimpse of their life yeah. and realise, you know, what what other people go through. Mm. Yeah. And being very grateful for what we've got. A hundred percent. And, you know, she also acknowledges how lucky she is with the fact that she found out early. Mm. She, she was able to have treatment. The treatment was successful. Yeah, she's gone uh, into remission. Thank she's goodness. gone into remission. Not that we're giving away the whole story. No. Um, but she's just completely always looking at it from a really positive perspective and I just admire that so very much and and I thank Ricky and Deanna for their time and their honesty and just yeah their great positivity Mm. that we all 
really need at the moment. Yeah, wonderful role models. Yes, definitely. Enjoy this week's episode. We'll see you soon. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. Very excited to have a chat. So to start off, can you tell us a bit about yourselves? Sure. Hi, thanks for having us. Um, we really appreciate being here and being um, and speaking to you guys. So I'm Ricky. I um, am a cancer survivor and I started a cancer support network, which is becoming a registered charity called Cancer Chicks. Um, I'm a designer. I study design and um, I'm a very proud daughter of my mum here, Deanna. <laughs> um, and mum, do you want to introduce yourself? I am Deanna. And I am the mother of Ricky and two other sons. I've got three kids. And, um, yeah, I, I'm really proud of my daughter and what she's starting and what she's done over the last few years. And, um, yeah, I studied graphic design and then I went into our family real estate business for many, many years. And But right now I am doing mostly charity work at the moment. Yeah, mum's a, a very... Amazing. She does so much work, charity work at the moment and she um, studied landscape design as oh, well yes. for a while there. We had to cut that short. <laughs> yeah, but because so, of Ricky. <laughs> so but design so, runs in the family is what yeah, I'm hearing. Yeah, I study graphic design as well. I'm just trying to be just like my mum, I guess. Yeah. But it's <laughs> yeah, lovely. Wow, yeah. I was going to say very, um, very capable. You can obviously do, do, a lot. do many, yeah, many aspects mm-hmm. of your life. <laughs> Thank you. We're very creative. That's great. <laughs> Lovely. And Deanna, uh, what was Ricky like as a child? Uh, Ricky was very cheeky. <laughs> um, she was great. Uh, she's always had an amazing sense of humour. But I got to say, I was always the mother at school that uh, the teacher said, "Your daughter disrupts everybody in the class." I'm <laughs> <laughs> a class clown. Yes, um, uh, Ricky, are you the <laughs> eldest or? Middle. 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 And I was very, um, mum's making it, making it light. I was a really, I felt like I was much naughtier growing up than my brothers. I was a bit, I was a bit, um, like reckless. <laughs> she, she was, she, she was, was fun. It was just a bit chaotic for you. And I'm sorry. <laughs> you know. are, you, are, are you a bit more of a daredevil than your brothers? Um, I just think I, I think. Yes. She was much more out there and more sociable and wanting to go out and, yeah. you know, whereas, you know, I didn't, my sons were great, like no problem, it's not as social. They went to a boys' school. Well, yeah. my oldest was at a boys' school. It wasn't as social as the co-ed school that Ricky went to. Mm. And I'm not shy. And mum, and mum's much more private. And I think also like with social media starting and stuff like that, she yeah. was the one that was like, don't put everything out there. Yeah. You know, What's happening? And I'm like, no, like here you go. Here's more stuff. Yeah, <laughs> to rein that in a little bit, but um, yeah. I just but, wonder um, if it's like a second child thing because I've noticed I've got two boys, and I mean they're six and four, so different ages. But definitely, there's the second child is definitely less cautious than the elder child. I've just I've noticed that, and it's across the board. It doesn't matter what gender they are. It's like mm. the second child's kind of like not yeah. as. I don't know. It's like we bubble wrap them less than the first one. Yeah, we know what we can get away with because we so get to true. watch our world. That's true. Maybe with our first, we are so on top of our first yeah. that by the time you get to your second, you kind of let them 
You've done with the tester child. (laughs) Well, and and maybe the second wants to keep up with the first. And so kind of things speed up a lot quicker with the second, you know, Mm. sort of obviously much, well, in your case, obviously a lot more, a lot braver (laughs) and sort of ready, ready to take on the world. Exactly. Exactly. And I also think that daughter relationship, first, I grew up, you know, I wasn't, I was quite shy really um, and really very conservative and a good girl. And Ricky, so it's unusual when your your daughter's got the kind of opposite person. Mm. She's so not shy and happy to, you know, she's sort of out there and very yeah. social and happy to be the centre of attention, yeah. whereas I'm always, I mean, yeah. I never got myself in trouble or did no. anything too reckless, yeah. but it was more, no. um Mum was just like shocked. She's like, "Where are you getting this confidence from?" Amazing. <laughs> like you're you're the one that would step forward, and your mum would step back. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. She's like, "How do you have the confidence yes. to do that?" Exactly. She's like, "Love your father more." <laughs> yeah. So, do you think now watching Ricky, it's given you more confidence to kind of step forward a bit more? Um. Well, you're doing this. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. There you go. <laughs> I think. Never would she would never have done this before. No, had I not. No, and I, I try to be supportive of Ricky, and so you know, I, I you know, I'll go out of my comfort zone for Rick's or for any of my kids if I have to. Um, yeah, no, but you know, I'm always. It's always remarkable. I find her remarkable that she is so open and easy. You know that she can get up in front of an audience, and she has. It's like amazes me. She really is That's amazing. Re- isn't that wonderful? Wonderful to be so proud of <laughs> what your daughter has achieved mm, with everything smart. that she's been through, obviously, as well. Mm. Thanks, Karen. And you obviously had the confidence before that because your mum was saying as a child you were definitely very confident. So it's not like what you've been through. Has, I mean, it's probably great that you had the confidence before that because now you can actually use yeah. your voice and get the message out there that you need to. That's right. But I think even um, during cancer and, and everything, I think a lot of my coping mechanisms I got from mum, like just to be a positive person and to try to find the glass half full in it. And, um, you know, I think a lot of what who I am is similar, to, like is from you or what you've taught me. So, yes, she's not so, as confident as I am in that way, but I think the things that you taught me about, you know, being a nice person or trying to make people feel good or trying to make them feel normal is why I'm so confident and loud about, you know, you should you should be a cancer chick that's proud of yourself and things like that. Um, yeah, that I definitely got from mum. That's so. very good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Ricky, can you talk through uh, your initial diagnosis? Yeah, for sure. So um, I was 20 when I was first diagnosed with cancer. It was three years ago now. Um, and I woke up when I was studying, I was studying psychology, um, before I did only six, only one semester of it. Um, and then I was like, no, this is not for me. And mum's like, well, you've got to do something. So I got a media internship to try that out. Um, and I was working in a chocolate shop and I, um, woke up one morning and we were take, I was taking the day off, um, because it was, a, we're Jewish and we were taking the day off for a Jewish holiday. And, um, I woke up with a really sore neck on the left side and a bit. I felt like I had a cold. Um, so mum said, you know, go to the doctor. You know, I don't want you taking off any more days of work if you don't have to, so it's just worthwhile. Get on the antibiotics fast. Yeah, yeah. kind of thing mm. if, if that's yeah. the problem. So 
Yeah. So, um, but I, I'm not one to go to the doctor very often when I have issues or I just, I just whinge about them. I don't really do much about them. So it was actually quite a fluke and I feel very lucky that you did send me there that when you did. Um, and we, I went to a new doctor because my normal doctor is Jewish and he had the day off as well. Mm. And um, this doctor basically said, um, he like felt my neck and he said, I think you have a cold, but if you're not feeling better tomorrow, just go get an ultrasound on your neck. Mm. Um, and I think at the time he was just taking more precaution because he didn't really know me that well, which was very lucky. And, and we didn't think much of it. Like I really was like, oh, I've never done an ultrasound before. That mm. sounds fun. I'll just <laughs> go by myself. Oh, oh. I just like a nothing. fun thing to do um, on a regular Thursday yeah, like or I've seen pregnancy ones in movies <laughs> on your neck. <laughs> So I was like, I'll give it a go. So I literally, I went there um, and poor thing went on her own because I, I was actually studying at TAFE that day. So I just said, yeah, yeah, if you don't feel better, go and have the yeah. 20 sets. Well, you wouldn't have thought anything I mean, you, of it. I mean, a, a, you know, like a sore neck, you know, happens regularly. Exactly. exactly. So um, I got it done thinking, oh, like, you know, it's fine and whatever. And then everybody at the clinic was kind of like, we want to send you in for more tests. So I called up mum. I was wearing like all the suit stuff like in the change room. I'm like, mum, something's weird. They're sending me in for more tests. And mum's always like, we don't worry until we know. So she's like, everything's fine. We're good. We're good. So I went in for more um, tests and they said, can you go back to your doctor tonight at 8 p.m., which we thought was weird. So mum mm. and I, um, we went back there. And maybe you should take over because you smoke this. She sort of kicked me out the room after a while. Well, oh. yes. <laughs> um, yeah, which was the whole clinic was closed except for us. Mm. And, you, you know, you just, and he sort of, they don't come out and say the cat, the C word. They don't yeah. say cancer at all. Sort of goes, I booked you into an ear, ear, nose and throat specialist tomorrow. We've seen something, but we don't quite know what it is. You know, it takes three months to get this appointment, but he's got, he's putting you in tomorrow. And I'm like, Mm. It doesn't sound good. Mm. So when we were, she went back in and she's like, should I be worried? Mm. Um, and I guess she didn't want me to hear that, which makes sense. Yeah, I said, like, are we talking about cancer? And it's like, yes. I'm like, well, how worried should I be? He goes, oh, 50-50. And I'm oh, thinking, gosh. Okay. So, you know, this is happening yeah. within a day. Like, it was quite quick. But so, they, um, yeah, the next day we went to the specialist and uh, they did a, a like they a biopsy and I did a biopsy. Mm. Um, they wanted to do a biopsy. No, three weeks. No, actually. we did a biopsy and it failed. So we, we ended mm. up, I had, I had to do three biopsies mm. in the end of it because they kept failing. They didn't get enough um, of it out to, mm. to test it. And so um, by the second biopsy, they said, well, we know it's cancer, but we don't know if it's thymoma, lymphoma, or Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm. Um, and I said, well, what's the worst case scenario? Yeah. And they said thymoma. And I said, what's best case scenario? They said Hodgkin's lymphoma. So for me, and I don't know if it was the same for you, but I just said, okay, I've got thymoma because then I can't be disappointed mm. if my expectations mm. are low already. Mm. And from um, your initial meeting yeah. with your doctor, you know, when you took the day off to when they said it's, you know, it's a cancer. We just don't know which one. How how long in terms of time was that? It took us three weeks to work out what she actually had because mm-hmm. they were three weeks. I was going to say, how did you sleep function for those three weeks? Because, I mean. It was not good. No. It was very difficult. And to be honest, we try not to Google too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
just, we, I think I remember Googling the Cancer Council, but other than that, I really did not want to get into it all until we knew what we were dealing with. But yes. it was a really difficult three weeks and I could see the doctors were quite concerned. Um, yeah, for, you know. But I was, in, I was at work, I was at my media company when they called to say you have Hodgkin's lymphoma, it's confirmed. Um, they so just I told you over called, the phone. Yeah, over the phone because I was 20, so I was past the legal oh. age of ha- having to need your parent or guardian with you. Um, and I was like, I was standing there, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm writing notes um, in the middle of our office, like, you know, stage 2B and chemotherapy, stuff like that. I didn't realise I'd been, like, crying and I, and I had to, like, go and tell, call my dad and tell my parents that, yeah, I, have, I do have cancer and it's this one. Um, but, yeah, so I raced home from from work um and by the time I got home to tell you I think dad had told you because I couldn't get onto you over the phone so um they they basically we had a a meeting the next day with the doctors and I think they they gave us someone who was like quite English second language and it was really hard to understand everything that was going to happen to us or what was going on do you remember that with the woman anyway it was all it's all a blur I'm sure but um, yeah, once they found out it was Hodgkin's lymphoma, and they kind of tell you, well, Ricky had to also do IVF. We were really fortunate that she got the opportunity. Some people don't mm. uh, because they were concerned about the chemo that they were going to give her. The first one would be fine for her fertility, but if that didn't work, they'd have to give her this second chemo, which wouldn't have been fine. So that's why they do IVF just in case they have to, you know, do the second chemo, um, and so. But it's quite a – I didn't realise how big a process IV, yeah. IVF was. I mean, mum, mum's was my primary carer. And when I say primary, she was like every second of the day taking care of me, like 3 a.m. every single night for six months during chemo. I was waking her up sick. And mm. um, she she had to do the injections every day for the IVF. You have to um, – for, for mm. three weeks you have to sort of stab yourself in the stomach mm. and, and give yourself hormones. It's pretty intensive. Um, and they basically, they did like a bone marrow biopsy and all these other tests and just to check it wasn't in my bones or anything. And then they race you into chemo straight away after. So you don't even have time to recover from the surgery of IVF. I think I finished IVF on like the Thursday from the procedure, yeah. from the Friday. And then on the Monday we started chemo. So I, I really was like one to the next, yeah, yeah. just trying to cope with understanding what was happening to me and what was going on next and, and what- all the drugs. When you obviously had that phone call when they called you, what was your first initial thought? Or do you not like? Do you not think your brain? It was more like your brain kind of switched off, and you were just writing notes and paying attention. Yeah, um, I think during the call, I was like writing notes because I was like, "Oh my god, this is happening! This is like the movies. Mm. I'm going to be bold, <laughs> whatever." And um, when I got off the phone, my colleague brought me to a room, and she was like you need to walk around so that you can let it sit in your head and actually understand the words that he said and then tell, tell your friends to tell all of their, their friends so that you don't have to keep repeating, repeating it over and over again, which was really great advice. Mm. Um, and I think I was just, it was just so surreal. Um, and I didn't, and I, I wasn't like hysterically crying. I was actually just, I didn't realize I was crying. I just had mm. tears rolling down my face not realizing. But um, I think that night, my boyfriend and I just spent the whole night laughing because we couldn't believe it. I felt fine the next day and I was like, how do I feel fine right now three yeah. weeks later mm. and I have cancer? Mm. It doesn't make sense. It was just so That's sick. right. She actually felt better after she found out she had cancer. No, no more songs. I wasn't sick anymore, which is so scary as mm. well. Yeah. But, you know, had I not 
or better and it yeah. would have just been there. So um, I think we were just, I think everybody coped very differently to each other and I thought we'd all deal the same way I would deal or whatever. But um, my brother and I just kept cracking jokes. We That was how, our way of dealing, dealing with, with it, it for a while there and mm. I think mum was very, everything's okay, we're all okay. Um, and my dad was just a mess. With her, right? so, I guess, do, do you look back and sort of think from something so simple as what you thought you had, I suppose in a way it's a blessing really because without that little sign, you know, who, who knows? Do you know what I mean? Especially when you say you, know you felt what? better. Yeah, and I just feel like we're under a lucky star, believe it or not. And yeah. that sounds crazy. No, no. You know, when you're born with a throat, it's like you'll be fine taking yeah. panadols. But it just happened that she had taken the day off this for interning that day, and I said, "Don't take off more than that. Get on the antibiotics." So I, you usually you wouldn't send her to a GP for that. Um, and it was really lucky we got this particular doctor that yes. was really clever and said. I don't understand why you've only got the sore throat but no other symptoms that, you know, I get it. Mm. I think we should take mm. it a bit further. We were so fortunate. Oh. And I didn't have any hot sweats. I didn't have, yeah, I mean, I might have lost weight, but I was trying to as well. So it was kind of like yeah, you know, hard to tell. And, yeah. you know, it's really lucky. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it sounds like, I mean, it's not a, I don't mean to say that you're mm. lucky. But obviously, yeah, somebody was no, looking, no. looking after you saying, you know, Go do go do this. Yeah, you yeah. know you need to find out what it is, and I guess some people don't have yeah. that luck in life. That's right, and I think we feel very lucky in many ways. Like having friends now who have all different cancers and everything. I feel lucky I'm cancer free. Lucky that you know we got IVF. Lucky that we caught the cancer when we did, and that the chemo worked. I mean, there's, we, we're just so lucky, and and I think I feel that way. And I know a lot of people say, you know, yes, it was the hardest thing. Most people will, mm. couldn't would ever go through, and I understand that. But a lot of good has come out of it as well. So I mean, you're so um, young, but it's probably made you grow up very quickly. Yeah. Well, especially also on top of that, having to go through IVF, IVF. at yeah. twenty. You know, it's not something that you needed to think about. I mean, obviously, yes, you said you had a boyfriend at the time, but still, it's not like. You're thinking yeah. about kids. You're starting your career. You know that's the focus, and you should be enjoying yeah. yourself and going out. It was, and- it was a question. They were like, "Is this something you want?" And I was like, "I don't, I don't know. Mm. I think so. Like, I've never." Yeah, about you're twenty. It, you know? what, so- what, what were you? You know, what were you needing to think about that? Mm. Goodness me, it's quite, exactly. in, quite incredible, exactly. honestly. And Deanna, yes. what, when did you decide to leave work and? then become Ricky's primary carer? Well, actually, I was I just started studying at TAFE. I was doing a landscape design course. Um, so that was quite intense. You know, even though it was part-time, it was really felt like full-time. I was working really hard on that. And so, to be honest, I had to, I, I quit doing that course and that's when I, um, yeah, stopped doing everything. Mm. And for six months, it's just all about mm. getting her over through that. Mm. Yeah, I think for me that was... I was just so upset because, I mean, for mum, starting something new at, at how old, I don't know, late, late 40s was, <laughs> you know, it was it took a lot of courage and I think, it, it, you know, I said, we were all saying, you know, you can do your dreams, it's never too late, and she agreed, you know, fine, I'm going to give it a go. Mm. And so I was just so upset, you know. But, you know, everybody sacrificed and I, I know for you, you do it again in a way. So, I, you know, but... I think you're amazing. Mum sacrificed a lot over the years. 
Um, we've moved, we've moved country, um, for her kids and just me, my younger brother and my dad had to stay here with my older brother to do school, to do his university and to work. So, um, you know, doing four years, like when they're still together, they're still very happily married, but they had to spend four years apart. Hard. You know, she sat yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, just to be well, what, what, what a, what a mon- wonderful mother who's sacrificed a lot, but at the same time, you wouldn't change a thing, obviously. No, yes. I wouldn't. No, that's what mums do. Yeah. We sacrifice. That's right. We'll do whatever you have to do for the kids. Yeah. And how did obviously you feel at the time, Deanna, when you found out? Did you kind of were you like, I'm going to keep it together for Ricky's sake, and then in the privacy you had your own? Yes. And my husband's also very emotional, so I mean, we tried to keep it together in front of Ricky and the kids. Yeah. But privately, my husband and I, you know, we had a lot of moments like, I cannot believe this. Like, this is just too terrible. It's hard to, you're like, it's quite surreal, really. Yeah. Whole world, and then you think, yeah, it's just bizarre, and you can't believe this is you. You, you always think it's other people, of course, until it is you. Yes. Yes. And you know, unfortunately, in our family, we've we've also, you know, my husband's brother also had a, a son who who had cancer and died at the age of six. Oh, so for my mother-in-law, I have two grandchildren, oh, oh, you know, and so it was kind of close to home. It's yeah. especially for my husband and that it's incredibly, I, we just couldn't believe it that this was happening again in our family. Of and, course. And, and, and you and unfortunately would have triggered you as well knowing, yes, what happened, what had happened, mm. you know, you, you know, as much as I'm sure the doctors were quite positive saying, you know, Obviously, Hodgkin's lymphoma has a you know a, a good su- success rate, as as they say. But still, when you've experienced it so close to home, I'm sure you can't help but feel like the worst is going to happen, even yeah. if you don't want it to. Obviously, that's and share right. that. But I mean, that's mm. just to try keep that sort of that in. I think is just incredible, and to keep mm. going for Ricky and, and the rest of, you know, for your other two boys as well. And you kind of going through it, you really try not to think too far ahead. You just get through them. You know, I hope tonight the sleep will be better. And if it wasn't good, what we try to just work out the medication that will help that particular night's problem and hope you just one day, literally one day at a time. That's just how you get through it. Really, mm-hmm. and mums had no previous nursing skills or nothing. And I have friends with cancer whose mothers are nurses, and they say, you know, they're struggling. So, you know, I had about oh, more than like more than ten drugs a day. I had to take at certain times, certain amounts, and mum had to do all of it. Um, so it's really hard to keep on track of, and and you're pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Isn't anyway, but, um, but I also think that. Given that I wanted to be okay because my dad's very emotional, everybody's very emotional, and mum's quite like my like the rock, um, she got the brunt of like me being hysterical mm. or me actually venting um, to t- like to have on top of you as well, which mm. I think you know others didn't have to deal with because they're like she's doing amazing, she's she hasn't complained once. And actually, I, I must say. Ricky didn't complain a lot through that. Mm. I mean, of course, she would tell me if she does. But on the whole, I couldn't believe she really was fantastic. She didn't whine me, whine, mm. whine me. 
had it all throughout it. She really mm. was fantastic. She did, you know, before she would say, oh, I've got a, a sore back, I saw this, like, when it really deserved to be, like, yeah. why me? Yeah. She didn't even do it. Yeah. Wow. She didn't even use it. What a she waste. really yeah. was remarkable yeah. for yeah. going through that whole thing. I think, I think um, I just wanted everyone to know, like, to be okay and I just wanted to make it as easy as possible for everybody else because I was just worried at how they were coping and mm. I think, um, which is why Cancer Chicks has been so great for me as well is that I had people who were going through the same thing that I could talk to and, and they could understand and empathise and everything. But I just I wanted to freak people out as little as possible. Mm. Um, and mum, but you did not, not you so much. You were too, you were too <laughs> it's okay. <right>. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, if you can't vent to your mum, who can you vent to? Really, exactly, exactly. Um, what was the most cha- for both of you? What was the most challenging moment from the initial diagnosis through to the end of of Ricky's treatment? Oh, well, we had a few, but I do remember there was a week of a, dis- a disaster week. I had Ricky doing chemo. I had my mother-in-law in the public hospital oh. for whatever reason and at the same time my mother in the private hospital next door at St Vincent's for a different reason. Oh. fell sick as well. And then oh. my dog got attacked oh. and was actually, he you almost know, died. he almost died. Oh. Oh. By another dog. That was a bad thing. And week. then like a day later I found out that I we we both thought because the the science like the medicine jargon it's it's all overwhelming and they say you know you've got one round is four um sets or two, two whatever it is they use a lot of numbers and mm. words and so we heard oh you have um f- five rounds or something like that five rounds but five um rounds is actually four in each and so I actually had nine no. Basically, she it. thought she was almost through it, and they and said, "No, you've oh. only had two chemo's left." Oh. And she had two chemo's left, and he said, "No, you don't. You've got nine. Oh. Oh. Said, Gosh. nine. I was like, she did burst this. into tears, and I hadn't cried up to them. I'm like, I'm yeah. fine. I've only got two left. I'll back and oh, do this thing. Yeah. It's hard. And then we get in the car. I'm like, why me? Why? Yeah. And I never saw until that moment. But I think she was yeah. It was just like everything was. Well, because that was, and that was the goalpost. You probably were like, you know, it's that countdown. You're like, okay, I've got one more, and then when it's like two more, you're like, okay, it's only two more. I can do this, but then to hear, not only is it like a few more, it's like nine more is is quite a significant number to two, and then obviously for you, Deanna, to be shuffling between hospitals in that whole week as well on top of that. Like it would have been enough had there been no one in hospital that week just to hear that. And and did everybody get out, like everybody's fine now? Even your dog? Everyone's fine. Even your dog? The dog. Alfie's around. He's happy. He's around. Oh, that's good. Oh, my gosh. What a a disaster of a week for you. How terrible. I we, I would say for me, we had an awful time last year. I, I was doing my yearly checkup um, and they sent me off for another scan because they saw that my thymus had been growing or there was something around my thymus area. And um, that does, they, they did say that sometimes that happens with like young people who have, have chemo, their thymus grows instead of shrinking, which is just, it just, 
produces white blood cells. It's not that, it's not really much. And um, so they took me in for my regular checkup and they saw that um, there was something there and they wanted to do a biopsy. Um, they weren't sure if it was my thymus or not. So they they took me in and my doctor said, don't cut it out, just do a biopsy. And the woman said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. And then I came out and she cut it out instead. Oh. Oh. Um, and she nicked my artery. And oh. then I think we didn't realise. Oh, so I'm in ICU and it's COVID. This is April last Beginning. year. Oh I wasn't allowed visitors except mum once every, no, for like half an hour in the ICU. Mm. So she was really trying to get out of it fast. But we hadn't realised that, yes, that one of her arteries yeah. had been nicked. Oh. And I was like, oh, that I was, was like, bad. something's wrong. I can't breathe. I can't oh. breathe. They're like, no, it's normal. It's normal. And I was like, it doesn't feel normal. They're telling me to go for walks. I'm like, I can't breathe, let alone oh. get up and walk. So, and they didn't sort of, they take it seriously. So they took me back to regular care after a day or two. And um, I went, I was like, mum, I just need to go to the toilet. So she, they like lifted me, put me on the toilet. And then I mean, when they, you went to give me privacy, I started to faint. Oh. Um, and they came in and so I, mum's like, you say I go purple. Oh, she, she really did look like, well, she was dying to be on oh, And all of a sudden gosh. we had the nurses, the doctor on the ward, they're calling the doctors from ICU. That they were was like red alert. And really, they, and they that, quickly whizzed yeah. back downstairs yeah. to figure out what, what you know, what, what was going on. Oh. That was me very bad. Yeah, so I got like two litres of blood and they had to close me up again and everything. But And, and in the end of it, it was just my thymus and there was nothing wrong with me. So, yeah. so they anyway. didn't need to do that in the first place and then they didn't yeah. listen to you when you were like, Something doesn't feel right. I don't feel right. I mean, you know, we've spoken to a few people who have gone through cancer and gone through a hard time and it's just so interesting. It does happen quite a lot and obviously we only speak to females but so I'm not saying that's skewed either way but it seems like you have to keep pushing to get an answer or to be heard and you know, especially when you're young, I mean, as much as obviously you've been through cancer, so they knew that. So they probably should have listened by then. But it's just so interesting that it always takes like three or four times to say, I'm really not feeling right. Can someone please take me seriously? And obviously for yeah. you, you fainted and then they were like, oh, maybe we should take this seriously. And, you know, it could have been so, I mean, it could have been prevented before that. Mm. And it could have gone much worse, you know. So, yeah, I I think there's something very interesting that, yes, young women and older women tend to be ignored when they're saying they don't feel right. Yeah. Goodness. I find that with cancer chicks a lot too. And a lot of my friends aren't taken seriously. And then they find their cancer at stage four or, you know, when it's really too late. And, it's it's heartbreaking, and I think a lot of the time they only work out that they have to be their own ambassador mm. um, if they relapse or they've gone through it before. And I think they don't realise you can say things like, "Hey, I need a new doctor," or "Hey, you know, this person didn't listen to me, but it's real." Um, later, mm. and I think that's it's horrific, and I think it's terrible, and yeah. So, but a right. very very important um, message to get out there. That's right. To to really. Um, Speak up for yourself if mm. you know something's wrong because you're the only one that knows your body mm. and you're the only one that can see it and feel it and mm. everything. Mm. So advocating um, for yourself support. And I know, Ricky, we did touch on this, but what was it like going through IVF, you know, being so young? I mean, I know that a whole whirlwind and, but, you know, what was it like for you? 
Um, well, I was very, because you're injecting hormones essentially into you. And, and so I was emotionally, I was all over the place. It's kind of like a very extreme period where you're just like, mm. I'm hungry. I don't know why I'm emotional. And, you know, you put on water weight and, um, I was, I was just, I hated the injections. It's not much fun. I mean, no, no. one likes injections or needles at all, but you um, but what I found really fascinating was after you um, have the procedure, you wake up and they have like um, the number of eggs that they got on your hand so that if, if other people, um, other women get out of their procedures and it can hear through the, the curtains that um, they don't they feel don't disappointed. Yeah. They told her don't say the number out loud. Oh, yeah, that's so interesting. I'm very lucky. I, I, got, um, I got 15 eggs and one infertile and I, I'm so lucky that I have that to um, lean back on, and luckily, after treatment, I I did get my period again. So I'm I'm one of the lucky ones who a lot of women my age actually it sets them into menopause early. Oh, so, dear. Uh, yeah. So I was very lucky that I didn't have that. A lot of my friends did, um, but for but just to have that reassurance that IVF is there in case of an emergency yes. is, is so. It's, it's worth, it's definitely It was worth worthwhile, I mean. even though it was hard, it was worthwhile for you. Exactly. Mm. But um, I think, yeah, I was, I was very eye-opening and I think it makes me really empathise with women who struggle to, um, to give birth and have mm. to do it over and over and over again, mm. um, as many do. So it's, yeah, mm. I'm very lucky. And, Deanna, what kept you going through Ricky's treatment? I mean, obviously... You were her primary carer. You were doing all the injections. You were up all night as, you know, mums do at any age. You know, even when I'm sick, mum's the one who's, you know, what can I do and can I do things and, you know, all that sort of thing. So what what kept you going? You know what? Um, as I said, you just do what you've got to do. Anybody would. I really do think that at the end of the day you just get on with it. You try not to think too far ahead. And um, you were you one day at a time. But I also was really, um, you know, your friends, you don't realise how fantastic your friends are until things like this happen. And not just your friends, like the community that you live in. Mm. Acquaintances were texting and coming up to me. Dropping gifts. Dropping gifts, um, asking my relative, my sister a lot, how's Deanna, you know, and I'm, a, as you know, a bit of a private person, but I've got to say, it really is that it's it's a it really helped mm. to know that people have only good talk, and you see the best of people mm. through these times. I really see the best of our community um, through this, and it also made me think about, gee, you know what? I've got to be more thoughtful when on the other side. Yes, that, yeah, yes. Yeah, you know, you don't realize it. it's not that you try to be thoughtless. But you you don't realise it doesn't occur to you. And then yeah. you think, oh, even though I'm not a close friend of that particular person going through these difficult times, you can never do the wrong thing if you try to do no. something nice. Yeah, yeah. it's very true. It is. What an eye-opener. Yeah, yeah, it really, really was. Mm. So many people sometimes are nervous to say the wrong thing or yeah. to be yeah. uncomfortable. But I think there's nothing wrong as long as we can see that you are being genuine and you actually care and, yeah. and that means a lot to And I get how people are uncomfortable to us, so you try to make them feel better. And it really does help them. I think it does help you as well. It helped me that people were particularly thoughtful yeah. and nice. Mm. And, yeah. and inadvertently it helped me as well because yeah. I knew that my family had been taken care of and that they, you know, that that was an important thing. I, 
I mean, I'm friends with Bryony, um, who you guys interviewed recently, and when I was going through treatment and she was going through treatment, she said that, um, you know, when she asks people for help, she always just says, can you just message my sister and check she's good, you know? Yeah. So, or can you do this? And, and for me, I think if, if you're a friend of someone who has cancer, that's a really, really nice thing you can do is just check on their loved ones. Mm. Um, yes, well. you, yes. Actually, in saying that, I guess, how, how did your brothers cope? How did they react? My younger brother, I, I, when I told him I have cancer, he goes, if you think I'm going to start cleaning the bathroom more, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you just cope with humor. <laughs> they don't they, they just cope with humor and I think they just want me to feel normal mm. um, and that, you know, if, you know, I, I think, and, I, and Aaron, our oldest, he internalizes a lot, you know. He, he, I think, in his own way, they find it really hard but... Mm. They were there for her. Oh, they wow. were amazing. Erin yeah. carried me down the stairs. Yeah, my brother had, they had to carry me down the stairs or, oh. you know, my boyfriend had to carry me to the bathroom. There was a lot of uh, everybody. It was a team effort really oh, yeah. because it really was. It's, it's, um, yeah, it really takes a village when um, anyone goes through cancer. Oh, I'm um, sure. And makes it, it does make it. Yeah, it does. And, and they were huge supports. Um, my brother got me a cancer present. <laughs> he like came in and said, have the cancer and he hands me like this big box of movies that he got done up in like a, for my for a TV. So, you know, they were amazing in their own way and they're, they're quite, um, they're, they're not very emotionally touchy people, you know, mm. you, so it's very, it was really nice to see, yes, to see the other side from yes. them. And, and, oh, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. And obviously, um, Ricky, I mean, you know, to get through this, I mean, your mum, Obviously, as you said, was the biggest support you, you know, you couldn't have got through it without your mum, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't have gotten through it without everyone as well, but mum especially. And Stevie. My- <laughs> and my two I see. Yeah. <laughs> it's always important. You've got to, like, when you're a manager, you've got to know who you can delegate to. And obviously, you knew yeah, what, who you needed to delegate to. That's important. Um, Ricky, just for a minute, before we go into cancer chicks, what advice would you have for people? Obviously, as you said, check on loved ones. But if people want to physically do something for you, what do you think has helped your family during your treatment time and, and then obviously subsequently after? Um, I think... What was a big thing for me was that when you are newly diagnosed or um, in remission or um, some big things happen, that's when everyone comes out the woodworks and you're getting bombarded, you're getting text messages and comments and everything. And and then um, when you're in treatment in the heart of it or in remission, um, things go very quiet and you feel a bit lonely and you um, that's when you wish people were around, not, not when it's all happening mm. and you can't take it all in. So for me it would be, you know, wait, wait till everything calms down and then message and then check in because um, that is the best time to make someone feel loved is when they when they don't have a lot of people to talk to. Mm. Um, and, you know, sometimes sometimes I'd love a visitor and sometimes I didn't want people around because either I had very bad mouth losses and couldn't speak or I just was mm. too tired. Um, and so I love when people would say to me, it's okay if you don't need a reply or it's okay mm. if you don't feel comfortable because it's really hard rejecting people all the time and saying, no, please don't come. Like, you know, you don't, yeah. it feels mean because you know they want to do good. Um, so for me, that was really wonderful when people said that. Um, and I think also, you know, 
people delivered food and, um, you know, you live in your pyjamas for six months, so pyjamas was a great gift to mm. give mm. or um, eye masks because anything comfy is really great. Um, anything sort of like beauty products, stuff like that was really fun because um, having like a nice bath was was beautiful. Um, I, I think like creative things were fun, crafting, um, all of that is just anything to keep you entertained as well. Uh, that's that's probably my best very advice. Good. Very, yeah, good, very advice. good advice. I was going to say very good advice. Yeah. So when did you come up with the idea for Cancer Chicks Australia? I was in, uh, I was at my cancer centre and I was with a woman I met um, named Natasha who's um, who's passed away. She's she's amazing. She was um, a really good friend and an amazing singer on The Voice and I know that she'd love if people still heard her songs so you can always look up Natasha Stewart. And, um, you know, I was saying to her at the start of my treatment it was really hard to meet anyone and ask questions like what is a biopsy and how do I draw an eyebrows and just anything from, from IVF to to any girl issues. And I think that um, I tried, I contacted the cancer council and other, and my hospital and things like that. And because of confidentiality, they couldn't really put me in touch with anyone. So I, um, yes, which was, which was really hard. So I was speaking to Natasha and she said, there's a a thing in England where called cancer chicks and um, you know, it's a social media group and they do events. So I looked it up and a woman, a gorgeous girl named Olivia Rose, she ran it and I messaged her, Hey, can I bring it here? Cause I'm, I'm really, I just want something, you Mm -hmm. know? And I had a few friends that my like family friends had put me in touch with who had previously had it and things like that. And we started as a group of seven pretty much. And um, now we're up to 715 girls in the Facebook group. Gosh. Um, and we are becoming a registered charity at the moment. So um, I've put on retreats for them and I've put on events and we've walked the city to surf and um, it's been an amazing ride. So, yeah. Wonderful. And um, what was incredible yes. was he actually started, like while she was going through treatment, it actually she had so she was spending so much time setting up this cancer chick. So I thought it was fantastic. It took her mind off. She, you know, as she said, it can be kind of boring and long. And, but she's working on this cancer chicks. I mean, most people are just feeling sorry for themselves and sleeping all day or feeling just awful. But Ricky, really, to be able to start this whole thing mm. during treatment was really, I thought, you know, amazing. I think. Um, is a great is a great way to make it go by faster as well and and um, have a have have another focus too i'm sure i think for me having experienced like peer support of girls who have been through the same thing as me or can give me advice i understood the importance and i think you know it's only been going now for about two years um since i properly started Cancer Chicks and um, I haven't done any marketing or media and there's 715 girls who just found us through word of mouth um, who all have had cancer in Australia. So there's clearly a need for it Mm. and I just think that, um, you know, it's a very active group. They speak like twice a day every day at least um, in the Facebook group and, and, Yes, that's amazing. Well, I mean, that was uh, actually, Deanna, that was going to be my next (laughs) question, but you've already answered it. You know, obviously with the change of Ricky since she started it. Yeah, look, as I said, it makes, it's, she's incredible how she is Mm -hmm. so fine about um, getting up in front of hundreds of people. She was on the speaking circuit after all, when it all began and, um, on television and people were asking you to talk at 
every function. Um, you know, it was in, I mean, she's amazing. Mm. And even through cancer, like I was really proud of her. Everyone focuses a lot on going bald and losing your eyebrows and whatever. But Ricky, yes, before she lost hair, before it all began, she wanted to buy a wig. We went out, we got the wig. She did not wear that wig once. She uh-huh. was loud and proud. Yes. Bother her. I'm so impressed. You know, most 20 year old girls, it's all about their looks, looks and their hair. Yes. She would walk the streets with oh, her bald yeah. head. It did not bother her. And on the rare occasion when she was with friends, she attempted to put a, a wig on and they're all like, I'll just take it yeah, off. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, you look ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I I have to say you've got the most beautiful face, so I don't think, you know, the hair makes any difference because your face is absolutely beautiful. And did you feel like obviously at the time when you found out you were going to lose your hair and you're like, okay, I'm going to buy a wig, did you feel like you wanted it because you didn't want people to pity you and be like, oh, like you? unfortunately it becomes very obvious that you're a cancer patient, unfortunately, when you are bought and, and some people make the choice to get rid of their hair and I'm, and I you know I completely support that but it often is it's a very visible sign that you're not that you're not well so and it automatically people who just don't know you then give you that sort of mm-hmm. those puppy dog eyes and yeah. I'm so sorry so did you feel like that's why you wanted initially to have the wig as, as sort of so not everyone was feeling sorry for you yeah, I think, well, we got the wig to make it match my look. It looks exactly like my hair now. Yeah. We got it dyed, we got it cut, and I think it was, yeah, in, in a lot of ways it was to be incognito. Um, it was a bit for privacy or just like I I didn't think, I, I didn't think I'd have the confidence. I didn't know mm. how I would have bald. I was just so, I think I was scared. Um, I was definitely scared, but I think also when you do go through cancer and when it all happens, well, vanity goes out the window. You yeah. don't have time to, like, you know, you just realise what's important in life and how, like, you know, that your friendships are important and your family's important. And in the end of the day, if I look ugly, I don't care. I just want to live at this point. So mm. um, I hosted um, mm. a cancer, it was it was hair a cutting. hair cutting party um, with all my girlfriends that came over um, to shave my hair. I, I, like, I sent them, like, shave the date to make sure you know. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. And, um, <laughs> It was, it was, it was actually really fun. It was a great time. And, and I think for me, it was like, I don't want to be crying in my bathroom, like by myself, yeah. making it, I just want to make the experience of cancer as enjoyable as it possibly can be, especially while I'm not, um, while I'm capable, because I think at the beginning of treatment, your body um, bounces back better week by week, but by the end, you just you know, it takes a lot out of you and you're more tired and things like that. So, you know, once I did the hair shaving party, they put it all on social media because everybody's having fun. And I was like at that point, well, everyone's seen me now. There's nothing to hide. I'm not embarrassed of it. And I look better than I thought I would, um, which is just lucky. Um, So it just kind of felt like once I started wearing the wig, it felt like I was embarrassed and I I wasn't. Um, And I I knew that. And, yes, I did get the the pity eyes and all of that um, on the street, but not a lot. Not a lot. And actually, fine. people were, like, very nice. Bit abnormally nice to me as a result. <laughs> like, everybody's all of a sudden, even people on the street, they're like, hi. And I'm like, hello. Like, yeah. Nobody ever says hello to me. It's scary. But, you know, I noticed because it was on social media, I did see through cancer chicks, other girls were starting to have these parties yes, as well, like Ricky. Yeah. And I was really like, 
proud of her because I do think she's a bit of a trailblazer. That's lovely. They wow. realise that there's nothing wrong. Yeah. You, know, you yeah. don't need to be wearing if you don't want to or Yeah, it's or a, it, I mean, obviously it's a personal <laughs> personal choice and you feel comfortable with what you need to I mean I know someone Mm. who had a double mastectomy and had uh, I can't remember what she called it It was very it was a pun obviously but had a farewell Mm. to her boots I think it was like tartar to tartars or something like something you know (laughs) funny like that that I you know and and I think it was a great way of one I guess telling everybody what she was going through and then also making mm. it, like you said, a really positive experience because you obviously knew that it wasn't always going to feel, you weren't always going to feel good necessarily, but you could always have a positive mm. attitude towards it. That's right. And also I think also we wanted to make the best of every healthy day. Um, you know, we would go for picnics on days where I wasn't so bad or we would um, find, like we would go to the Blue Mountains or whatever it was the minute we could because um, you just didn't want to waste them, you you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, like being in lockdown for six years. Yeah. Yes. Oh, no, really. You were like, in lockdown for a year and then we went into real lockdown. I got, yes. I got a holiday, luckily, between when I finished treatment um, and then we put on a retreat. And then right afterwards, straight into lockdown. And then right afterwards, we heard about COVID. Mm. That's mm. right. So we've been in lockdown for a few years now. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> that's an, okay. We're uh, doing. Good. I guess you you're well rehearsed in in the, in the lockdown sense yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Not that you want to be. <laughs> were you obviously? Yeah, we're very good. Yeah, were you nervous during the pandemic? Obviously, given your health, were you obviously extremely cautious? As a family, I would assume. I think especially when it just started and nobody knew what was mm. going on, it was very scary. And I think um, I was lucky because a lot of my friends are still in treatment and that's even mm. scary. And I think also only recently some of them, have, uh, they've realised it's okay to get the vaccine now when you're on chemo as well for some of them. So, um, but yeah, I, I I did, I was nervous. And I'm still a little bit nervous for like international travel or when people start coming in and out. But, I, you know, I can only... Do my best. I'm trying to. Um, I know that it affects your lungs, so I'm trying to tr- like improve them. Not, but it's it's yeah. I mean, it's a really scary time for a lot of people, especially. I think that's why my cancer chicks community are so they're the vulnerable ones, and everyone thinks it's just the elderly that are no, vulnerable yeah. right now. But you know, and they're our age, they're our peers, and everybody can be affected by cancer. And you know, that's why I take. It very seriously when we put on events now we have to be double vaxxed and you have to have your COVID test and things like that because you're putting them at risk yes of and course. it's just not worthwhile yeah and it's one thing when you're yeah. younger you know they say that yes you can get over it faster but if you have gone through chemo or are going through chemo your body's fighting enough as it is you don't need the added stress mm-hmm. to your body and and yeah. also you want to have an experience obviously like your events and the retreats and things like that, they're supposed to be a break for everything that you're going through. Mm. So you don't want to worry on top of that, that, you know, something's going to happen. And I think even in, even in our treatment, they have rules you can't just be seeing people because um, you're very prone to infection and that's actually um, the killer is infection. And you don't, you, you have to be very careful who you see and how they 
been and if they're sick at all in any way, shape or form. So on top of that now they have to worry that people have COVID without mm-hmm. and are asymptomatic. Um, it's, it's really dangerous and really scary for them and a lot of them are in treatment for years. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not easy. And how has the pandemic affected cancer chicks? I mean, obviously you haven't been able to go on retreats, like you said, um, but do you feel like there's been a lot more virtual chats and conversation? And obviously the Facebook group is quite active, as you said, but how has it impacted cancer chicks, obviously, the last couple of years? Well, um, well, we have been a few virtual events, but it's not the same. It's hard because these girls just want to be like if they're face-to-face is a lot you can say and you feel more comfortable that way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's gone very well and, and it, they're, they're, you know, they're still interacting a lot online. And, but I think um, obviously mental health is a really big issue right now um, for everyone, but especially for girls who are twice as isolated. Um, mm. And I think that it's such a hard time. We're trying our best to, to make it as um, as easy for them as possible because we our, our biggest mission is just improving the quality of life of patients because there's so little out there for them in that in that regard. Um, and luckily, we we have a big retreat planned in 2022 um, with 16 girls we'll be taking. Um, and for our retreats, you know, we do makeovers and style sessions, and we teach them how to um, style their wigs and and how to draw an eyebrows, and we do um, self development courses and stuff like that. So, um, but the best thing about the retreats is they actually get to meet each other who yeah. they might have spoken to online. They can actually talk about their what they're going through yeah. with people that understand yeah, them. Of course. You know, it's really hard. Your friends your friends are lovely, but they don't want to hear on and on about how you're feeling and cancer and yeah. blah blah blah. But these girls, they do and yeah. they understand. Of and course. It's, it's a shared experience. It's a shared experience for them, you know. And I think that's you know, these like important. Yeah, we've had um, we've had um, five m- funerals that I know of um, where the families, you know, say that cancer chicks was was really influential in their life. And I, I mean, for me, it's I, I mean, like I don't like to say it, it can't it was me, 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 but that's something I'm really proud of. Is of course um, is just that I could do something for these girls, who, you know, who are having in their short lives. And I think with the retreat even we've had we've had girls that come to my events that become each other's bridesmaids um godmoms to their kids so far um even even briny as you know her partner is the sibling of a cancer chick that's how they met um mm. was through maddie king who's also a cancer chick a lot of our just it's just amazing they're lifelong friends that that have come out of it which is it's so it's so exciting for me to see and and um Yes, yeah, like, like Mum said, they all, you know, some girls have done hair shaving parties, but other girls have showed them other fun things they can do in treatment. And, and it's, we have like, you know, things, they have, they call it cancer muggles. So anyone who hasn't had cancer in Harry Potter, it's non wizards are muggles. So it's cancer muggles. So they all share their shared experiences on things that might have made them feel, you know, embarrassed by a cancer muggle or, you know, all that sort of stuff. And like they've got their own running jokes now. And it's really, it's a beautiful community. I'm That's very lovely. And can I ask yeah. you both, like, how have you both changed since the cancer diagnosis? Hmm. 
You go from here. I think, <laughs> well, my perspective on life is, is, has changed a lot. I mean, I don't care so much about what people think of me at all and I don't really care whether I am always, you know, pretty or whatever. Like I, I think for me it's, it's more just knowing I have the right people around me and knowing that um, I'm surrounding myself with people who make me happy and that I'm doing okay and, and making sure, like, you know, I just I think it's more understanding what's important in life now. Um, where when you're a teenager and you you know you only care about how you look or who's at what and who's whether you're invited to something and now I couldn't care less. Mm. You know what I mean? So mm. I think it's that way. Yeah. And I, I feel like you know I try not to sweat the small stuff anymore. Um, and you know, obviously not all the time you do. Sometimes you do, but you really do. And as I said before, I feel like you. Um, I've got a different empathy for other people and yeah. and what they might be going through, and you try to be more thoughtful. I think it also be more thoughtful, mm. um, you know, when you hear about other people having a difficult time. Mm. You, you try to step up and you know what to text, do now. Just a text to say yeah. something or as much as you can do, be helpful or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Bryony's mum who said, um, you know, she learnt, you should just be kind because you don't know what people are going through and it's always just the best thing to do is just be kind to one another because, you know, I think she, she was talking about in reference when they were going into hospital for her treatment and Denise had hurt her back and everyone thought it was actually Denise that was going into hospital, it wasn't Briny. And she said it's just, you know, you just, you've got to. You don't know who's going through what. You don't know what. who's going through what, exactly, and, and you've just, you know, just. Kindness and in that campaign, so so true for me. That was very evident when I was first diagnosed. A lot of um, like mothers and women that I knew and had seen regularly had called me up to say, "Just so you know, I have cancer and I've been wearing a wig this whole time." Or I, you know, I have cancer, but I didn't want to tell anyone because I didn't want to affect my kids' HSC or whatever it was. And I had like three or four women in my community which are, who all had cancer at the time and I would never have known. No one knew. Um, and I think that's just exactly like, you know, you just don't know what people mm. are going through. You really don't. And so it, just being kind is the, the easiest thing you can do. And um, I think it's very easy to take out your feelings on the world and on people, but you don't know how much it's going to affect their day or their life. So I definitely agree with that. And, Deanna, how did you feel when, well, you can both answer really, but how did you feel when you found out Ricky was in remission? Oh, it's Christmas actually. Christmas relief. It's just, thank God it's over. Fantastic joy. Mm, you know, finally and um, like a weight lifting. Yeah, yeah. Like, you probably feel like you could breathe life. again. Yeah, it's true. Well, you didn't realise the way it was there until afterwards. You're like, oh, my God, something's been on top of me the whole time. But, um, and now, now I look back and I just cannot believe that whole, the whole thing happened. It's just so surreal yeah. that it all happened anyway. And you do kind of cut it out now. It's, it's a coping mechanism. You try to just, block out a lot. Yeah, yeah. So you forget, but I think um, even just talking about it like this, like it does bring back a lot and reminds you how grateful you should be in that sort of thing. That's right. You're just grateful and hope. You just don't so have to go to any of that again. Yeah. And I think as well, cancer chicks has put into perspective how, just how lucky we are. I think at the time we might not have realised how lucky we are and then, you know, you meet girls who are terminal or whatever it is and mm. you're like, how lucky are we? 
And, you know, I'm, as I, I'm a bit of a private person. I don't like to talk about my business. I'd be the one, if that was me with cancer, I'd be the one under the doona, not wanting to see or speak to anybody. And I, but I, you know, and Ricky's the opposite and she's been very loud about it and, you know, she's real. and I think it's been a fantastic thing I've noticed because it opens a conversation. People like that didn't want to talk about their own, the, the, you know, they kept it a secret. All of a sudden we're like, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe we should discuss it. Maybe it's we can discuss this. And I think that's helped a lot of young girls and old ones, to be honest, um, you know, just to not feel alone because it's really yeah. an isolating experience is, in the yeah. first place. And I don't know how people cope without having a community or anyone to talk to about it because for me it was like saving grace. Like mm. I was like, I so always really needed it. And that's I think a lot of girls do. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's yeah. sad to think people would go through that alone without being able to talk to somebody or, or uh, like mm-hmm. release it to somebody else, you know, to take the pressure off. I think that's. It's very sad to think that people have to hold on to it. Do you think your relationship changed at all after Ricky's diagnosis? I mean, were you less cheeky afterwards, Ricky? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think light now. When I was younger, um, you know, mum was always bad cop and dad was always getting the, the accolades. And so, you know, and the dad's like, mum's your best friend because she's going to tell you everything that you need to hear. <laughs> and now I'm like, no, mum is definitely my best friend, you know, in, in, the, in ever out of all my friends. Oh, that's lovely. Think, yeah. And I think we, I think it did, I probably definitely brought us yeah. closer. Certainly did. Um, yeah. yeah, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I think we're, yeah. You know, we've always had, we, we might fight, and, but we, we've always been very close, to be honest, yeah. mm. even when we're at each other's throats. We still, you know, yeah, always Mexican. We're laughing. Laughing. That's lovely. So of humor. And, yeah. and Ricky, what advice would you give someone uh, young like yourself who is going through either cancer or a chronic diagnosis? Oh, uh, well, I'd say join cancer chicks, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, um, well, that's I a good would, one. Would, yeah, exactly. Um, come and I'll come chat with you. But uh, I think I would say that even if it's it's hard, you always find a way for it to get better. Eventually, it, you know, you'll get a huge perspective on your life. And you know, when I was in treatment, Bryony said to me, she said, you know, you feel like a, a superhero because. Um, you know, nobody else has had to, um, like not many other people in, in life have to undertake what you've had to undertake and now you know just how strong you are. And it's true. Mm. You really do realise how resilient you can be um, and you get a new new perspective on life, on what's important and the lessons that I've learned, I, I would do it again just to learn them because they, they made me who I am and they made my mm. life what it is today and, and I think it's yeah, amazing. I mean, it was really tough. I guess, I guess, you know, looking back, as you say, you probably never realised how strong you were. That's right. And perspective is everything. Mm. And, um, and you'll realise who's important too Mm. in your life and who's actually going to show up. Um, and some of the friends I thought would didn't, and that was okay. They couldn't cope. And some of the ones who I, um, didn't expect really showed up Mm. and and they became some of my bestest friends. Mm. So I think, um, you know, you realize who's important and what's important. And Mm. that's something you can hold on to if if you're at the start of your journey. Well, with that, we're going to move on to the lightning round all about us. So 
You both can answer (laughs) one word to describe your relationship when Ricky was a teenager. Oh, fiery. (laughs) Um, I would say emotional. (laughs) Uh, And one word to describe your relationship, uh, I suppose, now more in adulthood. Fun. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Funny is a good one. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I would say, yeah, funny, honest, and fun. Yeah. What characteristics? One word, sorry. No, oh, that's no, fine. No, that Don't worry. Fun. Don't ever apologize. <laughs> um, what characteristics do you think Ricky has of you? Oh, of me? Uh, I was going to say of her. She's got resilience, I think. Of me. What have you got of me, Ricks? I can't say it. It's your girl. <laughs> <laughs> she has her turn after. Yes. Yeah. I said I got her tush. <laughs> I just think she's a, a, a nice, friendly, friendly maybe, friendly person. Yeah, I I would say um, I'm strong and honest. Um, both of those That's things. That's lovely. Um, most memorable moment in your relationship? Oh, golly, that's hard. Oh, golly, one particular, really everything. I mean, you saw her a lot, Mum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's one thing. Um, I think we maybe in Canada, we, we dance a lot. I'd say I, we do dance a lot in the kitchen when we're cooking or whatever. So I oh, think, that's I think sweet. <laughs> And who gives the best advice? Me. Always. It's always, it's always, always the mum. Always. always the mum. Always. Yeah. I love it. We both think we are. You'll never ask that question and someone won't think it's themselves. <laughs> we always get it's always the mum. Yeah, it's always the mum. Always yeah. the mum. Um, yeah, really? Yeah. Always, always, always. I should say that. Um, Ricky, what's the best advice your mum's given you? Um, she often tells me not to put things in writing, which I think is a great advice because I've learned my lesson and, um, and also that, um, not everything needs to go on Instagram. That's true. But, um, I would also say that, um, like that it's never too late to, to try new things and to put yourself out there. I think, you know, her doing landscape gardening, was emblematic of that, but I think even now, you know, I'm like, I wish. What if I? What if I should have gone to this degree or this one? Or what if I should have done this? And she's like, it's never too late. And I think that's a really great um, life lesson. That is good advice. And is there a time in your life uh, you wish you could relive, not necessarily change? No, I don't. I don't think We've so. had. So, I think for me, I had so many fun holidays growing oh. up. I was very lucky that. I did get a lot of great holidays and even just living in Canada, I think for mum and I um, being with Noah and just having that time, you know, we went to pumpkin patches and we saw the Christmas lights and there was just so many new things that we yeah. got to experience. It's the, season, it's the seasonal change. I think that's something that in Australia yeah. we, we miss, you know. I mean, my husband and I lived in New York and it's just as much as obviously oh, by the that. end you're like, I'm so sick of winter, I'm over it. But it's a nice, <laughs> it's a nice change to see like that mm. really difference between seasons. And I know it's a funny thing to think about, but right. when you're in somewhere like Canada, you actually do really see the difference. 
Mm. And you do, it feels like a season of your life as well, which, which is, was a really beautiful time as well. Even though it was hard, it was beautiful too. Mm. How many times a day do you call each other? Well, we literally live here. I figured. Still call it. Where yeah. are you? What are you doing? Yeah. I'm downstairs. <laughs> and sometimes, like, can you bring me an apple out? <laughs> yeah. What are you watching? She's the man. <laughs> um, yeah. No. All the all day, daily. all day, every day. <laughs> and and is there one who calls the most? Yeah. <laughs> I definitely call mum the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm needy. I get it from dad. <laughs> it's, it, let me tell you, when you move out, it doesn't change. Like I call mum all the time and she's like, what do you want to tell me? I was like, oh, we, I yeah, walked down we, the road. I don't know. Or, I just or we just spoke an hour you. ago. What, what do you want to say? What's changed in your life that and you I'll need to like, ring me an hour later? This happened. And she's like, okay, yeah. cool, thanks. It's just, but, you know. People are always like, did you want to move out one day? I'm like, and leave mum? No, thank you. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. You've got to make it difficult. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. there's no motivation to leave. Never. Oh, yeah. Dinner's are going downhill now. I'm happy for her to stay. <laughs> it's more fun when they're around. When the kids are around, I like it. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, we it's really been, appreciate the time say- and it's and yeah. and what a joy you know i know it's been a obviously a hard life that or what you've been through but but what you have achieved after it and just the mature again young woman it, it's just so inspirational with some of these young women that we interview yeah. uh, it's incredible i mean it's it's our joy yeah. absolute our joy and hopefully the listeners joy you know that's right and we wish you Thank all you so all the best with cancer chicks and and getting the process through to make it a charity um if anyone who is listening is going through cancer and hasn't sort of had that conversation, definitely go follow Cancer Chicks Australia to, you know, get the support and that shared common voice that you that you need. And thank you. And good, he- so good health. Good health and much success. Thank you. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you have a mother and daughter story that you would like to share, send us a DM on Instagram at Mothers and Daughters Pod. If you loved this episode, please subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss a new episode. Spread the love and share the podcast with your mum or sister or friend. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. See you next week and don't forget to call your mum.